Well, welcome back to the Six Peas podcast for another episode and another week. A very important week. It is our last one of isolation, and I know, as crazy as it sounds, many of you are very excited to be getting back to school. Now, recently we've had plenty of feedback from our listeners, especially surrounding the inclusion into the Six Peas podcast family of Tim who's been around for a couple of podcasts the last few weeks. I'm happy to say that he will be returning this week. So if you do have any questions, feel free to email them through. The other guest we've got coming up early this week is going to be Keith, who many of you will know. You might not know who he is now, but trust me, um, you will know him very, very, very shortly. I can't wait to have a sit down and chat to him about, well, a range of uh, different topics and I hope that you enjoy that. Now with uh, Tim, he'll be back later on this week, but uh, there has been uh, a suggestion that I make Tim a bit more permanent or make him more of a permanent fixture. I will be considering that. Um, But as I said, if you do have any questions, you can email me as always at 6pspodcast at gmail.com. That's 6pspodcast at gmail.com where I'm happy to answer any questions you have be it about Tim, about English or EAL, or in fact, if you have any questions you'd like to ask Tim, I'll be happy to collect those and potentially ask him later on in the week. Today's episode is going to focus on quotations in our Analyzing Argument essays and also a little bit on persuasive devices. But we're going to go to our first break just to start with, and our theme this week for music is going to be Tony Hawk Pro Skater. I was extremely excited during the week to find out that they're going to be re-releasing Tony Hawk Pro Skater the game, and it was one that I was very, very much fond of in primary school. Uh, I was hoping that one day I would end up like Bob Burnquist. I wasn't allowed to play the PlayStation, which uh, my brother was fortunate enough to buy for me back in the day. I wasn't allowed to play it uh, Monday to Thursday. I had to wait till the weekend to play it, so every Friday I'd race home from school and play Tony Hawk Pro Skater, and this is one of the songs that used to blast out. It's Superman. It's one of my favourites. We'll be right back on the Six Piece Podcast right after this. Sleep. 
Welcome back to the Six Peas podcast. I absolutely love that song. I'll never, ever, ever get sick of that song. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed it, and hopefully you too are very excited about Tony Hawk Pro Skater coming back into uh, well, the 21st century, because I think that was released initially in the 90s, which feels like a very long time ago. As I said before the break, uh, our focus today is going to be on quotations and persuasive devices. And it's really important that as students, you start looking out um, for quotations to analyze within your essay. Just like a text response essay, you are looking for a mixture of quotations, um, those that are, I guess, um, really important in the way that, that they're used, but also more unique quotations that you can interpret and provide you with a little bit of next level analysis. My first tip or piece of advice is definitely to build your knowledge of persuasive devices. Now, while these aren't everything, and it's not a treasure hunt to try and find as many persuasive devices as you can. Persuasive devices really help guide you into what you should be quoting from the articles. So go through those tables, look at every single device you can and work out why and how they're used and for what purpose. That's a really good foundation to have. But just be aware, you don't need to label every quotation with a device. So if something is persuasive, if a word or a couple of words are persuasive, but you can't find a particular device to connect it to, don't worry about it. You should still quote it and to analyze it. Now, over the last probably five or six years in the VCAA exam, there are four main common devices that seem to be in each one of them. They are evidence, inclusive language, rhetorical questions, and attacks. But the three I want to focus on just for now are evidence, inclusive language, and rhetorical questions. Now, because these are used pretty much in every article and every exam, you'll find that almost every student will utilize these in their analysis. And it's really important that you stand out from the others and think about ways you can explain or analyze this language and how it positions the reader without sounding generic or repetitive in your analysis. So let's go through these one at a time. Let's start with evidence, which is a really broad term. It could mean things like statistics, expert opinions, anecdotes or case studies. A whole range of information can come under that evidence umbrella. With things like statistics and expert opinions, their purpose is really to increase the author's credibility and authority. And trust me, those phrases or those words are used so often in exams. What we want to do is build our knowledge of how they work though. And the first thing to do is look at it through an audience lens. 
So rather than focusing on what it does for the author, look at what it does for the reader. It informs them and educates them with concrete evidence, but it also allows them to trust the author. And as a result, it might help boost or strengthen that particular argument. Remember, we're analyzing not just the language and the devices, but the arguments as well. So while that's more concrete sort of evidence, your anecdotes and your case studies are a bit more personal or realistic, and quite often they're going to elicit or evoke an emotional response from the reader, be it sympathy or anger or hope, whatever that emotion might be. So once again, look at those in terms of from an audience perspective, and that's a way to really build on your analysis rather than going with the generic it adds credibility or adds authority to the writer's argument. Let's have a look at inclusive language. And this is by far and away the most generic analysis or the most generic device that's analyzed. Quite often we'll see that phrase, this includes the reader in the issue. Again, at the bare minimum, try and specify who the readers are and specify what the issue is. But we really want to avoid using that generic statement as much as we can. So what kind of positioning can inclusive language have? Well, the first thing is it can strengthen a sense of community within a readership. It can also harness momentum, particularly in terms of an action or committing an action. It can also provide consensus on an issue or unite a group of individuals together. Quite contrasting, actually, it can also exclude other parties or factions. And that's probably more so exclusive language, but it's still something that is really important to look at. The last um, way that inclusive language kind of gets positioned in a readership is really foster a sense of shared responsibility for action. And I think quite often this is what it's used for. They do want to provide readers or listeners or viewers or audience, whatever that might be, Um, with a sense of responsibility, that in fact, they can have an impact on the issue. With rhetorical questions, the most common mistake students make is they will define what a rhetorical question is. In fact, with any device, the biggest mistake students can make is to define what the device or technique is. Try to avoid that because we know that rhetorical questions are questions with an obvious answer. Have a think about how how they position the reader. Quite often, they are subtle and they're quite considered in the way they are used. More often than not, they'll directly address the reader as well. So be really mindful of this and have a think about how you might analyze that. In terms of positioning, well, it can prompt thought from the audience. It can often invite them to reflect on their own ideas or to reconsider their own values. It can subtly skew the reader's mindset, or also it can attack opponents in the process. So really have a think about how rhetorical questions work. Not in general, but that specific rhetorical question. We're going to go to our second break and another song from Tony Hawk Pro Skater. But after the break, we're going to be looking um, at less utilized devices or examples of language that you can analyze in, in your essay to take your analysis to the next level. We'll be right back after this.
truck We're going downtown, gonna beat up the rocks The doors in the drive, I'll bring them here It's a late, late ship, no one to fear And we'll ride, we'll ride, I'll be right And ride, you'll ride It's a roundup time with a good horse We're gonna drive one screaming off the street And ride, ride, I'll be right Uniform and a silver badge Play cops for real and play cops for pay Let's ride, you Thanks once again for joining us on the Six Ps podcast. Now, we have had a look at some really common persuasive devices that are used in analyzing argument essays, but let's have a think about the less obvious devices or language features that you can analyze. And the first thing I want to focus on is punctuation. Things like exclamation points, um, ellipses, even full stops if they're repeatedly used, can be analyzed. Quite often these are used for emphasis, especially exclamation points. Quite often these will be to, I guess, define an outraged tone or sometimes even sarcasm. So be mindful of little things like this. In terms of emphasizing, the next thing to look at is things like italics, which are used to emphasize a particular point or again, potentially for sarcastic reasons. Headlines are quite often ignored by students, and I think this is a really important aspect of an article, particularly if it stands out if it's in large font. That is more often than not what will draw the reader's eye. So, look at the headline, look at how it positions the reader, does it make them want to read the article, does it shock them, Uh, does it skew the reader's mindset? Really look at the headline and try to find out quite often it will be a play on words or a pun, but quite often it can be emotive language as well. So don't forget the headline. In the same way, the visual might also attract the reader's attention if it's quite um, prominent on the page. So have a look at the visuals as well. But more often than not, headlines and visuals are things that you can analyze, not just for the content, but the size and the positioning on the page as well. That's a way, again, to show that you're looking at that next level analysis. The rule of three, or the grouping of three, or triptych listing as it's sometimes known as as well, is also a common feature, especially in the exam articles. It's when they'll use sort of three adjectives in a row to describe something. So, you know, if they were to say it's quick, it's fast, it's more affordable. This is really used again for emphasis, um, but also really to showcase Um, the wider ramifications of a particular um, action or idea and just showcase or emphasize um, the importance of it all. Using second person is another language feature that you can look at. This is when the author will use the phrase you. Again, it directly addresses the reader and might prompt them into action or might, again, foster a sense of responsibility or even guilt in terms of acting on this specific issue. 
I mentioned it before, but sentence length is something to look at as well. So short sentences often will simplify the author's idea. Um, but again, you might be able to look at a short sentence and go, well, it suggests that an action is simple or suggests that something is logical. So have a look at the sentence length. The last one I want to mention is connotations because these, I think anyway, authors will use words for specific reasons and every single word they use is there for a reason. It's purposeful. So quite often when we're talking about um, capital punishment, sometimes they'll call it you know, death by the firing squad or execution because that has more negative connotations and evokes more fear or concern out of the audience. Quite often when it comes to car accidents, the word motorist or hoon are used. Hoon generally, gen, genuinely, generally has connotations uh, that are quite negative and especially uh, more about young drivers and especially young male drivers. The last example I'll give of a connotation is when it comes to jobs and losing jobs. So if jobs are cut, it's a bit nicer. The word slash, the verb slash to slash jobs suggests a lot more aggressive um, in nature. So be mindful of what words the authors use as well. Now, when it comes to actually analysing the quotations, it's so important that you're analysing every quotation that you use. And once again, there's no need to mention the, the device every time, especially if it impacts on fluency. Remember to analyse how that specific quotation positions that specific audience. And this is a phrase that I use a lot, but remember this. Don't analyse how a rhetorical question works. Analyse how that rhetorical question works. You really want to be specific with that. Because, of course, the writer wants the audience to side with them or to agree with them. But if you say that, it's far too generic. You really want to specify how that quotation positions that specific audience. And again, answer that question. How does the author want the audience to feel, to think, or to act? And when it comes to your quotations, at the end of a paragraph, aim to link all those language features together and work out how that strengthens the argument and how that argument works to position the audience. With analysing, you really want to focus on building a verb bank. So phrases like encouraging or compels or in an attempt to or with the aim of or evoking or eliciting a specific response or emotion from the reader. You really want to build those verbs and that analytical vocabulary to ensure that your analysis is engaging for the marker, remembering they're going to be reading a lot of these essays. So to finish off with, the key takeouts for today for me would be to use short quotations where possible. Don't necessarily look for persuasive devices or label every quotation with a persuasive device either. Use them more so to guide what you want to analyse. Look outside the box as well. Think about those less common devices and see if you can analyse them to make your essay stand out. Remember that phrase as well. Don't analyse how a rhetorical question works. Analyse how that specific rhetorical question works. And lastly, remembering that this is an analysing argument essay. You want to make connections to the argument as much as possible, and the language helps you to do that. That's all we've got time for today on the Six P's podcast. It's been fantastic to have your company once again. Don't forget, we'll be back later on in the week.
with our special guests. We've got Keith coming in. We've got Tim coming in. Don't forget, we've also got the YouTube channel. So make sure you've subscribed to that. Just search for Six Piece Podcast on Google or on YouTube and subscribe to that. We've got a lot of video content up there already and we'll be adding more and more as the weeks go on. But it'd be great if you could support me um, just by subscribing to that channel. But until next time, I've been Jim Session. This has been the Six Piece Podcast reminding you that proper prior preparation prevents poor performance. Are we finished? Done.